And he said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Sometimes when we're struggling in our lives and we really don't understand what's going on, we're a little bit frustrated with God in the direction that things are going in. We can't make sense of it. Someone will say that we need to think about our lives as looking at, at a tapestry, but from the back side. We have all the, t- the tangle of colored threads. It doesn't always make a lot of sense from that side, but if you could see the other side, you could see the, the image that is being woven. And God's side is such that he always knows, again, what he's doing, that he's weaving that picture, and the picture, we're told, is, in fact, Jesus Christ, the glory of God shining in the face of our Savior. On the day that Jesus walked with his disciples on the road to Emmaus, there is some sense that it's like he is for them in that moment turning the tapestry around. The tapestry of Scripture in particular, but Scripture sets us out from the beginning. That formation in God. The one who is the beginning and the ending. That whole plan of creation and shows us that all the way through, the the picture is being presented by God and that picture is Jesus Christ. He is the first and the last. The fulfillment of every word of God because He is the eternal word. Jesus goes with them through from Moses, through the prophets, on into the Psalms. We've got it here on the road to Emmaus, but further when he gets to Jerusalem with the eleven, with all the apostles gathered. We're reminded again when we hear that he's going through Moses, that we're talking about the first five books of Scripture, traditionally the books of Moses. But then even the prophets, it's not just what we think of as the prophets, but some of what we think of as the history books that give the context for the prophets. So Joshua and Judges, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. Then but the Psalms and the understanding that the Psalms regularly are presenting the prophetic utterances of God. Christ is the eternal word of God wherever God speaks. It is the word through whom, by whom, he is speaking all the way through Scripture. You go through the Bible, to be reminded sometimes that the Bible is not, I mean, we think of the one book, but it's many books gathered together. It's a library of books, many different authors over many years. And yet in all of it, there's one divine author who pulls it all together so that we properly call it the word of God. The eternal word of God speaks through God's word written. And all of it speaks with that common voice of the eternal word. The picture that is presented is that of the word made flesh, even Jesus Christ, our Lord. Remember, of course, we had Peter and John at the tomb. And as they went away in some puzzlement, there was that line that they did not as yet know the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Well, on the road to Emmaus, this strange figure who comes along opens up that word to them so that they will know 
the Scripture, that he must rise from the dead, the Scriptures in the broad sense. Interesting, particularly when you get to them back in Jerusalem later in this chapter, that you hear that it's not just that he must suffer and die and rise again, but even that he must rise on the third day, and that the forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Really important for us as Christians to be reminded that it is the same word of God that is being spoken through the Old Testament, that the good news is there for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. Not that long ago that we hit that parable again of Jesus speaking of the rich man and Lazarus. And you might recall that within that parable, you have the rich man, such as his riches are in his eternal state, who is suffering and tormented, is worried about his brothers, and wants Lazarus to be sent back from the dead. And Jesus says they have Moses and the prophets. He says, well, no, no, but if someone should rise from the dead, they would listen to that. And he says, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, they will not hear, though one should rise from the dead. It's all there, but we need that opening up. We need that opening up of his word. So again, we have interestingly in our readings today, we've got this point, Jesus risen from the dead. He's not yet ascended. The spirit has not been poured out. We also pick up at Acts where the Spirit comes and we see in Peter him doing the very thing that we imagine Jesus was doing, opening up the scriptures, showing them how this tapestry is in fact being woven in Christ. That he is the beginning and the ending. And you think about, well, you think about all things being gathered up in him. St. Paul will write it in his letters. It's there in the witness of the early church. That Christ is the beginning and the ending. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Beginning of Colossians, Paul will talk about all things being made by and for him, and all things holding together in him. Read the beginning of Hebrews, you get likewise that picture of God's creation unfolding through him in being at the beginning and the ending. But I do imagine on that day, as they walked on the road to Emmaus and even the apostles afterwards, that initially, with Jesus opening it up, it was so clear. And I expect we've all had that, that experience of listening to a lecture somewhere, you know, a difficult subject, and you listen to it and you understand. The speaker has presented it so clearly that it all makes sense. And then you go to tell somebody else what the lecture was about. And you say it was all so clear, and you start trying to explain and realize that you can't explain it. You kind of got it. It made sense here, but you can't articulate it. What we see in Peter on the day of Pentecost is what happens when it's not just Jesus explaining alongside, but the Holy Spirit fills them and opens up that scripture within. And then Peter himself is able to turn the tapestry around, as I say, to open up that word. Interesting thing about all of that. As they were on the way, Jesus came along to stand with them, to walk with them. And funny that they thought he was the ignorant one at the time. Are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's been going on? Well, well, what's been going on? 
What things are you talking about? Of course, once he starts, they realize that he is that source of, of wisdom. But they don't recognize him walking with them. They start to see him in the scripture now, but they don't recognize this one who's walking along with them. There's always been some of that speculation about what was happening. Well, you know, maybe it's getting late in the day, the light isn't good, they're distraught, they don't know what's happening. Maybe as some artists have depicted, he's wearing a, a prayer shawl over his head and they just don't make out his features, but didn't they know his voice? Didn't they know his presence when he was with them? Well, Mary Magdalene was at the tomb. And as she was weeping, having had the Peter and John visit, she's there on her own, and this figure comes beside her, whom she mistakes for the gardener, which I always think is just this lovely irony in St. John's Gospel. I mean, who is this figure? Well, he's the caperos, he's the, the gardener. Well, that's the one who tends the garden. Hmm, back in the beginning of the story, there was a garden. And there was one who was set to tend the garden, to care for it. There was the first gardener. Here's the, the last gardener, the first Adam, the last Adam. But she doesn't recognize his presence. He speaks to her and she doesn't know the voice. Well, yeah, it was dark. She was distraught. She didn't expect to see him. When he speaks her name, she knows him. The disciples can say afterwards that did not our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the way. John 21, they're there fishing on Galilee. And again, there's a figure standing on the shoreline who does something really familiar with them. They're out all night. They haven't caught anything. He's going to say, well, cast your nets over there. And they do, and they pull in this huge catch of fish. Oh, we know this. We know this. This is so familiar. But they still haven't recognized the voice. They haven't recognized the presence. But it's then that John says, it's the Lord. And there is the interesting question, why don't they know him? We can give human explanations, but in Luke 24, we're actually told that their, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Kriteo is, is the verb in the Greek, and it's, it's literally like if I were to restrain you. You know, one of you is really angry at, not at me, I'm sure, but maybe at Father Kipling up front, and you want to rush him at the altar, and, and I restrain you from getting up there. Well, it's that, that's the sense of the verb, to, to, to restrain the eyes from seeing. Well, who's keeping them from seeing? Who's restraining them? Is this the devil who doesn't want them to recognize Christ? Well, no. Jesus has just put his foot upon the serpent's head, trampling down death by death. So who is it? Well, God, the Spirit. The Spirit does interesting things, drives Jesus out into the wilderness, does moves people in interesting ways. But why would he not want us to see? Why would he not want them to recognize? Well, perhaps because they need to learn a new way of seeing, a new way of knowing him. If you're trying to hear something and you're having a little trouble discerning it, I suspect all of us are inclined to close eyes at such a time to try and listen more intently. Maybe you've got a good ear that you want to turn in that direction too. 
people who are blind often have much more developed senses, not just of hearing, but often pick up other things that most of us are missing. And sometimes you can develop those things too. First, they need to recognize him in the word. Jesus opens that up to him. They haven't been using at that point. They haven't been using that faculty. They haven't seen Christ all the way revealed in the word. They haven't noticed that everything that is happening is what God set out from the beginning. But now they start to see that. But the story isn't done yet because they're then on their way to Emmaus and they're suddenly there. I imagine they were talking so so wrapped up in the talking that they just suddenly realized they were there. And Jesus looks like he's going on. They say, no, no, no. Stay with us. The day is far spent. You know, we're, we're to the evening. Come, come and eat with us. Come and stay with us. And he does. And then at the supper, he takes the bread and he blesses and he breaks. And boy, this is familiar too. It's familiar to them. They know this about the, the Last Supper. We know it in the Mass. Their eyes are open and they know it's Jesus and he disappears from their sight. The church has long taught that this is part of what's going on. He will he'll be with them for another month and a bit, but then he will no longer be with them as he once was. He won't be walking side by side. They won't know that physical presence of the man, but they will meet him in his word open before them. They will see the pictures. They will see the pieces fitting together. Jesus had said that unless one is born again of water and the Spirit, he cannot perceive, he cannot see the kingdom of God, but they will see, they will know that. But likewise, he will be with them in the most intimate and profound of ways in the Blessed Sacrament. They need their eyes open in that way. The church has taught that he's no longer present with us as he had been, and yet He is with us in one sense in as real a way as he was. We just, we need the eyes open that we might recognize him. We need our hearts disposed in that direction that we might know him in the breaking of bread. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Interesting the words to Thomas from last week, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. We imagine sometimes that that means those who only have faith and believe in the testimony of others, but those who have not seen with the eyes. Thomas had that opportunity to touch the physical form, the flesh, as he had known it. But Jesus does offer himself in the most tangible of ways to us. The Word who was made flesh, in his Word written, opened up for us by the Holy Spirit, in the body of Christ gathered, in the body and blood, soul and divinity of Christ made known to us, to touch us, for us to touch him within the blessed sacrament, the appearance not being as it once was, and yet the presence as real, in fact, more profoundly present with us. But at the other end of that, of course, is that as we walk in that presence, as we get to know him in those ways, 
we are to be better oriented to recognize him as he comes to us in other unexpected ways. Didn't he speak of a last judgment where that question will be, did you recognize me in the least of these, my brethren, who came? Inasmuch as you did it to the least of them, you did it unto me. Inasmuch as you failed to do it to them, you failed to do it to me. We are to know his presence. We're to know it as intimately as his first disciples did, perhaps not seeing him with quite the same eyes, but learning to know him in other ways as the Spirit enables us. As always, though, not just that we might experience that light, that we might know that life for ourselves, but that as we walk in his light and in his life, that we might show that forth to others. That in fact, our lives would be those in which glimpses of the tapestry are revealed to the world. That they might see Christ and be drawn into the new life in him. May we come to see him face to face and perceive the image of God's revealing. Let our lights show shine that the tapestry might be revealed and the image which is Christ Jesus, our Lord, the Savior of our lives and of all those who would come to him in faith. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself.